Are you a hybrid athlete who wants to learn more about how to combine your strength and endurance training? Well, I've written a new book, The Science of Hybrid Training. In this book, I provide insight into the misconceptions surrounding strength and endurance training by distilling the past 50 years of research and drawing on the conversations I had with great scientists, coaches, and athletes on the Progress Theory podcast. This book is essential reading for hybrid athletes and coaches who are looking to understand the key training variables and their effect on the simultaneous development of strength and endurance performance. Get your copy now, available to buy from Amazon. Now, let's get into the show. Hello and welcome back. We did it. Daryl Green and I did the concurrent training challenge where we both looked to try and improve strength at the same time as training for a marathon. And in today's episode, episode 2.6, we reflect on the challenge itself and the training leading up to it. Now, you probably already know the challenge, but just to refresh your memory, I was going to try and increase strength in the front squat, deadlift, strict press, and the weighted pull-up while training for a four-hour marathon, while Daryl was doing the exact same thing, but his lifts were the snatch. He was going for a 120-kilo snatch while also training for a four-hour marathon. Now, as you will see, as we reflect on how the challenge went, not everything went to plan, but our reflections were as honest, and we show you exactly what we may do if we ever did this challenge again. If you haven't already, go back and download all of our other episodes for season two, where we document everything that we did for this concurrent training challenge. On top of that, why not, while you're there, go and download all of our other episodes, including the Progress Theory Roundtable and the Progress Theory Legend Series. So I hope you enjoyed listening about this challenge as much as we did taking part in it. As always, please leave us a review, follow us on YouTube, follow us on Instagram at progress underscore theory underscore and join the journey. And hopefully this podcast series is giving you some ideas for your own challenges. But in the meantime, have a listen to our current current training challenge reflections on episode 2.6. how are you feeling um today not too bad um much better than i was expecting i remember i remember when i ran my first ever marathon um it was days before i felt any any normality again actually popped up uh yesterday um on like a memory um seven years ago and i just looked at like a little child and that's when I ran my first. <laughs> that's when I ran my first marathon, but I, I can vividly remember the the soreness and the aches that I had for days after. Yeah. Whereas, like um, today, I feel just like I've done a a hard training session. That yesterday, that's how mm-hmm. I feel. Um, yeah. Yesterday was pretty rough. Just like mainly just forgetting that I'd ran a marathon. So when I'd sit down, stand up, uh, go to move as normal, couldn't quite move as normal. Um, but yeah, not too bad. Yeah, yesterday was pretty horrible. And are you saying, because, yeah, because, okay, so for everyone listening in, today is Monday. We did our uh, concurrent training challenge on the Saturday. And if you were in pain for about seven days after your first marathon, is, is that what you're saying that? I've got ahead of me. I've still got about five days of it. <laughs> well, no, 
Maybe, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> um, but I think that I think you're pretty resilient in the training that you've done to leading up to this. Like my first marathon, I didn't really train too much. I just thought I could bash it out. But yeah, um, yeah, my body obviously thought different. <laughs> Seems to be that one thing that people underestimate. So, oh, Ooh. you know. Although it was faster, um, that was really all I did then. And I was a lot lighter than what I am now too. Mm. Um, yeah. We actually weighed ourselves, didn't we, at the weekend? You were, uh, what you weighing in at? I was 95 on the weekend, yeah. yeah. Um, I was 91. But when I started this challenge, I was like 98. Just just under 98, not like fluctuated between 97 and a half to 98. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, I've actually lost a little bit of weight there, um, mm. which I wasn't expecting considering the amount I had been eating this the week leading up to this. I thought I would have held on to to something, if not water, like um, yeah, yeah. the amount of carbohydrates I was pushing down me. <laughs> but yeah, I guess just yeah. natural natural process there of all the running and stuff. Yeah. So just to recap, our challenge was, okay, so we had... 11 weeks to train for our concurrent training challenge to prove that you could probably get stronger and train for a marathon at the same time. So I had to get stronger in four lifts, which were the deadlift, front squat, strict press with the barbell overhead and the weighted pull-up. And you had to uh, hit uh, a new PB in the snatch, which your aim was around 120. Yeah. Uh, And at the same time, we were both training for uh, a marathon, but we put the aim of four hours with that marathon time so should we should we start off with the scores okay how did we do yeah um well for me for my lift uh, my snatch actually during the run-up in training i pb'd my snatch and i was mm. i was i was beating the pre-test scores um within like the first six weeks of the training really just building up to this, but my actual final weight on the day was 116.5 kilos. Um, which is a best ever, isn't it? Yeah, best ever. And I, I got a best ever in training, which was 116. And on the day, I attempted 116 and failed it twice. And then we put the little... We put um, the biscuits on, the power of the biscuits. Yeah, the little <laughs> 0.25s on each side. And yeah, I managed to hit it first time. And I think the adrenaline just caught up with me and by the time that had wore off I couldn't even attempt anything else I was just mm. um, I, I remember your your face as you were going for the 116s I don't know if there was like a you know oh I don't know not doubt but there was like I wasn't I'm unsure how this is going to go whereas then we thought we well, you know screw it if we failed 116 twice let's put a little bit more on because you can clearly pull it <laughs> yeah and your face changed it was like a new challenge to you um and then all of a sudden you ripped it and held that overhead position yeah it's a great lift yeah yeah maybe um because i'd only hit 116 once before mm. i think maybe that got into my mind and to be honest during the warming up i didn't feel as good as i wanted to it just i don't know something wasn't clicking i don't know if it was a pressure from knowing that, oh, it's today's the day that it's got to come together. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'd, that could that could be a reason why. 
Uh, yeah. but I, I'm very satisfied with that. Um, it was nine kilos on what I tested at the start on the 3rd of October, mm. um, which was... Oh, un- you should be well proud. Like, yeah. if you think about it, this whole challenge was about seeing if you can get stronger at the same time as training for a marathon. And not only did you improve your lift by nine kilos, you hit a PB that you've, you know, a, a best ever. Yeah. And in a in a technical movement where you need to be fresh for it. It isn't just like, oh, I can, you know, grind up a, a deadlift in a way. This is much more technical than that. So you need to be much more fresh and greater range of motion, all the, you know, all the usual. Yeah. So it really is quite an impressive feat. Yeah. Yeah. I am. I am really happy. I'm really, um, it, it, it did come together on the day. Maybe, Obviously, I'll set the target at 120, and I think that's just—it's just a number I really want to hit at some point in my life. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I—I I achieved it. I—I I got stronger whilst training for the endurance. Um, and I remember when we tested first time, I jumped on the deadlift with you, didn't I? Um, so I did this time too. Yeah. And, um, just to rub it in. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I did stronger the deadlift as well. <laughs> I did. Well, did I hit 200 of you when we did the pre-testing? Um, and then I I pulled a 210. And I've not, and just so everyone's aware, I, I've not done, I didn't do no deadlifting in any of this training. It was, um, whether that's just because I'm fairly good at deadlifting, I don't know. But, but I know, that's, that's another sign of that I was strong and I got stronger. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, certainly. And yours, mate, what were your numbers? So, okay, so for pre-testing, I got a 150 front squat, a 190 back squat, no, 190 deadlift, a 80 strict press, and a 50 kilo weighted pull-up, so strict pull-up. So for front squat, 150 is my best ever. I've hit that twice before. Uh, And then I got a 155 front squat so that is a 5 kg pb not only from the testing but ever um and i was actually very surprised how quick that went i deliberately yeah. had that as the first lift one because you know it takes a quite a large fatigue cost cost with it but at the same time that was the lift i was most worried about if i was going to fail any of the lifts would not reach a target i think that was the one that was going to do it so started with that but yeah i was really surprised with how quick that moved and then one went for 160, didn't I? And yeah. just got buried. And my head was just gone. I was so happy and so surprised at how good the 155 was that I really should have gone 160. I didn't realise I had it in me, but I know it is what it is. So yeah. very happy with the 150. Um, then went the uh, strict press. And for the strict press, I got 81 kilos. So that's only an increase of one kilo but it's still a best ever. Um, I think the strict press is a real tricky one for me. I think the issue for me is around thoracic. Like my base is not great. So if I was going to fail the front squat, it would because I would lose it in thoracic, so the upper back. Uh, And it's the same thing with the strict press. Um, Because once I get it over a certain point, I just press it. Like like front squats, my legs are strong. I can extend strong triceps and in general strong shoulders. But if I don't have that position from the start, 
yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's tricky. I could have done like a strict press. You know how some people have start with, with like chin level or around the mouth. They just grab it out of the rack and then just press. Yeah. I reckon, I reckon you could add 10, no, five, seven kilos onto my yeah. lift. Just from not having it from the shoulders, from not having it from a front squat position. Um, but yeah, so it shows, yeah, great that I improved. Uh, during training, I did multiple reps at 80. So I was like repeating my PB. Um, but it just shows just, you know, I, I don't think it was a strength issue. I think it was more of a skill issue or a skill issue at that level of intensity. So, oh, well, that's kind of a reflection on how that went. But still, I should be happy. It's still an improvement. Exactly, mate. Um, then came the chin pull-up, weighted pull-up where I had an increase from 50 kilos to 60 kilos. So very happy with that. Um, to be honest, when I did it, I felt like that was my limit. Like I didn't think oh, I couldn't pull any more than that at the moment. And then when I look back at the video, it <laughs> moved really quickly. I was like, oh, there was like no struggle there. Um, but I don't know, my best ever actually, like the strict way to pull up is one of my best movements. And I, I did a 71 kilo pull up once Wow! and it was about 95 kilos then. So this isn't like a best ever, but it's, I've clearly improved in it, but I was quite confident, confident that I would improve just because I've been to that ter territory before. Uh, and then the last one was, was the deadlift, um, which I got to 10. Yeah. A 20 kilo increase from the pre-testing. Now I've got to be honest Remember when we did pre-testing and I was in a bit of a rush because we had to move stations within the gym? Yeah, yeah. And I did the deadlift really soon after that 150 front squat. Yeah. 150 front squat techniques, why it wasn't good. It probably put a load of pressure on the lower back because, again, I was losing it in the upper back. And it came to, like, deadlifting. And I remember going up the, the weights and deadlifting, I think it was, like, 120. I was like, wow, that feels really heavy. So I reckon if I did it fresh, like in pre-testing, I would have got about 200. So still my 210 is an increase of 10 kilos. So I'm still very happy and showed that I increased strength over the, over this particular time. Um, but yeah, that's kind of an honest assessment there. I think it should have been a 10 increase from pre-testing rather than a 20, but it, 20 sounds better. So we'll go with that. Um, <laughs> and yeah, uh, no. my aim actually was 206. So 206 would have been my best that I've lifted in 2020. Um, but I got 210. Nice. Mate, there was, it was a good atmosphere in there. Yeah, when I loved it. came down. Yeah. It really helped. Like, it really did help. Like, we haven't had that kind of atmosphere for quite some time because of COVID, not being able to train like that at all. And maybe just having that new exposure to it just felt like, oh, I've missed this. Right, let's let's go for it. And just yeah. that psychological edge helped out a lot. Oh, big time. Yeah, it was um it was a really good atmosphere in there. Uh, it created a really good environment, I think. It was um and like even I look back at the snatch video and like how like everyone's just going mad at, <laughs> after it. It's just like that is just yeah, it's, that's what it's about and it was really mm. good. Um it makes you realise how much you've missed it. Like we, we've got a certain level of personality where like we want to train and work hard. So we will do it, whatever happens and we'll find a way of doing it Yeah. without that. But that doesn't mean that when that atmosphere is there, it, you know, it doesn't, 
help a lot. Like it does oh, yeah. help a lot. Yeah, really does. I mean, sometimes we've trained and we've not even done the same stuff, have we? So it's like, mm. but just being around the, the, the similar people and that are doing the same and we're all geeing each other on anyway, mm. it's just, it ch- changes it completely. Um, yeah, mate. Yeah, no, it's really good. So, yeah. mate, we are both happy that we've improved. We, we show that, you know, while training for a marathon, we increased a level of a level of strength in a variety of lifts that have different levels of complexity mm. yeah totally clearly it's it's possible like you pb your snatch best ever while training for a marathon yeah so with the right with the right level of programming intelligent programming that's appropriate not trying to push everything too much too soon that can be achieved yeah yeah man we've done it we done that. I mean, whilst training for a marathon or doing any kind of endurance, I think is we done where we achieved what we needed to there. Mm. Exactly. Regardless of what happened in the marathon, like we were still training and doing a lot of yeah. time on feet for it. So that's gonna you'd like to think that may affect your ability to increase strength. But you know, we made some training decisions like I'd say our running volume was quite low in comparison to a lot of people that prepare for a marathon. We were running twice a week, but we were were doing that because one, we couldn't expend all our energy marathon training because we had to expend some energy trying to get stronger. Two, we're quite heavy. So that probably loans itself to having a lower mileage anyway. And yeah, we had them spaced out. So that meant that the amount of fatigue or sort of mechanical breakdown that we had with each training session, we were able to recover as much as possible before the next one came around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, 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 maybe it potentially could have been a little bit different if it was a more of say a row or a, a cycle. Mm. I think maybe we, things would have been different in the training, but I mean, running is quite, it's quite a hard when you're heavy like us and we want to get strong at the same time. It, but we done it. Well, we had to be intelligent with our programming and um, mm. almost like also regulate it ourselves. Like if we were. Yeah. We had to make quite a few changes. Uh, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. Loads of changes. Um, especially with all the lockdowns and stuff. So, yeah. Mm. It's good, man. Sorry. So marathon. <laughs> yes, Mate, the marathon. Got... <laughs> good and bad news from the marathon in various different areas. So we'll, we'll talk through your marathon first. Um yeah, my marathon. Um I look, I felt so good. I felt so good for I knew when I was get to about 30k that I would, I would feel it. Um, so up until then, I did feel really good. I don't know whether I already put that thought into my mind. And then when I got to 30, it was like, oh, geez, like, this is hard now. But um, I'll talk about the loop. We had a loop. It was 1.8K mm-hmm. on Strava, but it actually didn't work out like that, I don't think, on our watches. Um, no, I don't think it did. Like, um, especially towards the end, because you... <laughs> It was getting towards the end. I'm like, hmm. I, yeah. I thought I had this many loops left, but I've actually got this much 
kilometers to cover. Yeah, so it was. So it, it was going to be 23.4 loops. It, was, it would work out. I think it was almost 25 in the end. Um, I, I was looping every time, like lapping it on my watch every time. But oh, I think over halfway, I just forget, kept forgetting to press it. So, yeah. um, But after every three loops, stopping, um, having a bite to eat, drinking some water and then carrying on. I did that up until... Um, halfway or just yeah about halfway and I was like oh man I should only have about 12 loops left so I was like okay I'll just do six now have one more stop and then I'll finish off another six yeah. and yeah that didn't work out because it was more than that <laughs> it ended up more than that Um, I managed to run all the time the whole way apart from I walked about 20 meters. That was it once. And I think this was like a 37 K mark. Um, and I almost regret doing that now when I look back at it, I was like, I didn't even need to because it was like, it was for nothing really. Um, just mentally needed a break Thought I was going to cry. I was like, what the hell is my body doing? Um, it was really hard. Um, And yeah, I managed to finish despite everything going against us. The wind, uh, we had a, a hail. We had a thunder and lightning storm like in December. <laughs> yeah. Where does that come from? The hailstones were ridiculous. <laughs> um, so yeah, halfway through, we had a thunderstorm and it was hail. And so that point on, I was drenched <laughs> to the bone anyway. <laughs> feet, feet were soaked. Um, Let's just remember to say that it's coastal hail. So this was coming in from the sea at an angle that just hits you straight in the face. Yeah, like that hurt. Yeah, I, that... I don't. I don't even think I've ever seen a thunder and lightning storm on in December before. No, no. But where I did was, that come from? I was really shocked when when I saw the lightning, and then <laughs> yeah. it was only. Like... I thought there was an accident. <laughs> Something's exploded. Yeah, um, and well, I could see this hail just rushing at me because I was running towards the sea at the time, just on oh, that little little straight where the yeah the hill the, bit yeah the hill was, and I could see this hail coming across me at the floor at a rapid rate, and then, yeah, just having oh. to run with my hand up like this. Yeah. Like I didn't stop. Chris is next to me. He's like, I thought you were going to stop and take shelter. <laughs> it's like no. Uh, get, get got through it um and yeah i managed to scrape it through in three hours 59 minutes and five seconds yeah four hour marathon done so I did it four hours i got to the last three loops and i was really unsure if i was going to make it um i i i kept telling myself like mentally i was like if you want four hours you've got to work hard from now um you cannot stop and you cannot you cannot look at your your watch and see a 540k pace. You have to be a little bit faster than that. And yeah, I managed to manage to do it. Um is that because there was a time when you'd slowed down, or do you think it's the accumulation of you know those quick stops of food that meant that you'd have to um up it to like a 530 kilometer pace? Um I think the stops are one. 
Um, I think that probably accumulated, what, about eight or nine minutes, I reckon, over the whole time. Um, and I did slow down at one point. Um, not drastically, though, but I think when it comes to the stops, I was just stopping for a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I look back at it now, um, and I think maybe I should have walked walked to the stop, sipped some water, grabbed what I was going to eat, whether that be a banana, sweets, whatever, and then eat it and keep moving. Mm. Even if even if that was walking, just carry on moving. Um, I think that uh, like look back at it now. If I was to change something on that run, that would be it. Mm. Um, so yeah, that yeah. Other than that. Um, mm. What's your best ever marathon time? Uh, three hours 39. Uh, no. Three hours 40. Yeah, three hours 40, I think it is. Mm. Um, so I did a 3.44 the year, a year before, or two years before that, and then a 3.40. Yeah, so. Um, I guess you were running more then because that was around the time you were in the army, is that right? Yeah, I was in the army running a lot more. I was a lot lighter, and I definitely wasn't lifting anything over 100 kilos over your head yeah anything near this i probably couldn't even deadlift 150 kilos at that time you know yeah so um so in if i was to compare it now i'm much more pleased with how this one went um maybe i could have paced it a little bit better at the start we went out like rockets far too hard i think um I was about 5.15, I think, 5.20 for the first couple of, well, for the first 10 miles, easy, I think. And then, yeah, started to slow slightly. Um, hmm. But nah, uh, it was good fun. I enjoyed it. Um, and I, after, absolutely freezing. But super cold very quick after. Yeah, yeah so... Me and my wife set up camp with our green camper van. Uh, and obviously Hayley was there the whole time. But she was saying like the, the van was a godsend. Yeah. Because it got seriously cold. Um, and you only noticed that as, as soon as you stopped. Yeah. And plus, yeah, because we were wet as well. Mm. Um, and the wind wasn't that great. That was like... That was cold. That, that just chilled everything because your clothes were soaked. Mm. Um, and you wore a waterproof coat, did you? Didn't you? I yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I just <laughs> neither did Chris. But um, I didn't really. I I just I wore that as a windbreaker. I didn't expect it to rain for some reason. No. I, oh well, well, I checked the weather and it wasn't due to rain. No, but, it just uh, said cloud, didn't it? Yeah, and then this storm came out of nowhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thunder and lightning turns up. Yeah. Cheers. But yeah, overall, um, I'm pleased. Um, yeah, you should be well pleased. That was really four, good. Four hours of target and yeah, I had to fight for it. It didn't come easy. Um, definitely didn't come easy. But yeah, it was good. Um, so tell us about yours then, mate. Mine went a little differently, didn't it? Yeah. So I'll, I'll start two weeks back. Um I was coming down on my volume for the running. Uh, I had just 
come off three weekends on the trot where it was like my biggest running accumulation of volume where I did a um, over three half marathon distances in my runs. So I'd only was going to run to a certain point and back, which probably would have amounted to around 15, 16 K. Uh, and unfortunately my calf when it pinged on this training run, um, really quite nasty. And I was at the opposite end of the Island, about seven, I'd say about seven, eight miles away from home. Yeah. I had to be picked up by my mother-in-law <laughs> and, uh, I was like, okay, right. This isn't good. Cause I, if I, have some kind of muscular discomfort. Normally I could walk a bit, maybe just try and get some movement back and I can sort of get it to do its job and um, carry on running. It's happened before, but this was like, actually, I've really damaged my cut off here. Uh, so from then on, I did off feet conditioning. So I went on the bike, went on the row, went on the salt bike, just back and forth, tried to maintain uh, the heart rate that I would have done while running at that particular pace. Uh, on these different modalities. Uh, and then on the Saturday, which would have been a week before the marathon, I tried running again. I only managed 4k before it started really hurting. So, but that like, that was like a progressive pain. Like I felt at the beginning, but it was just getting worse and worse. I was like, this isn't worth it. Right. Um, just get back, do a bit more feet conditioning, which I could do. I still could do the strength stuff. It's the repetitive, uh, reactiveness of running that my calf just couldn't tolerate. Um, so I knew going into this marathon, like I, 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 either way, it was going to be very painful and I was just going to get it done however it felt. Um, and then we went, we went off, didn't we? We went off a little bit, a little bit quick, but I slowed down quite quickly because yeah. I was like, my calf can't tolerate this. Went down to that four, I was like 5.42 pace, managed it for one loop. And when I was going down the straight for the second loop, like it wasn't like... The, the previous training run where it slowly got worse, worse. It was an absolute ping coming from my calf. I had to stop, sort of stretched a bit. I was like, this, this is really painful. And that was the first time when I was like, oh, actually, I don't know if I could actually run now. But I managed to sort of like shuffling, like it just completely went, got back round to where we set up camp. Luckily, my wife's a physio. So what we were doing is trying to sort of general massage, but also just some sort of putting pressure on the area while I just sort of like calf raises or sort of knee bends just to try and get it to relax a little bit. Um, and it, is, it was at this point, it's like, right, okay, four hour marathon's completely out the window. It's all about just getting around it. And I managed to find a pace that I could maintain it was painful, but I could maintain it. I was consistent with my pace. That was still slow. It's around six minute kilometers, but I could I could run. It was a painful run, but I could run. Uh, and I was managing that. So I'd do three loops. So that was about, what? It was about 5.4K. Then I would get a massage on my quad, not quad, calf, bit of, bit of sweets, bit of water, go back around again. So you can see on my Garmin, I managed to maintain that six minute kilometer pace for about a half marathon. From then on, it just went downhill quick. Like I was then just my sort of slow jog became a shuffle because then I couldn't push off my leg at all. Like I was trying to 
run as normally as possible. It was painful, but I was trying to maintain that normal stride. But as soon as I got past half marathon, I couldn't maintain it. It was just too painful. The, the pain was radiating, radiating up the back of my leg into my glute. Um, so then my stride completely changed. It was more of a shuffle. So I pretty much shuffled slash limped uh, a half marathon. Uh, so there were long periods where I, I, you know, I couldn't actually land on my sort of fore to midfoot and propel myself off. So I was power walking because I was using the like natural rocker of my heel to then go forward. Um, I think the slowest that wasn't a walk that was some form of jog must have been about nine minute kilometer pace. Like I really slowed down, but the idea was I, I just kept going. I've just got to get this marathon completed. Um yeah, I finished it. I limped around in five hours and nine minutes. So it was like five hours worth of pain. Yeah. <laughs> it oh, was strong, man. It, it was nothing that I've ever experienced at all. And like on reflection, I'd like to think if I was healthy, um, could I have got the four hours? No, I don't think I could have. I think I could have got a good half marathon time. But distance is longer than half marathon. I do. I think my stride is definitely not efficient enough. So I have like certain physical affordances, which I can rely on to get me through certain distances, 10K, 5K, 15K, maybe half, half marathon at a push. But beyond that, I just don't have the efficiency there. So it just breaks down. Um, so a lot of things to work on. Um, but uh, yeah, I'd like to think I could might be able to squeeze out uh, like four and a half marathon, four and a half hour marathon. But uh, I think four hours is probably a bit bit more for me. And oh well, like it was. Yeah, I think it, it the the task quickly became not about the four hour marathon. It was all about just mental resilience and getting through the marathon in pain. Yeah, yeah. That was I, I don't know many people. I like to think not many people would have like pulled there i don't know if i've torn it i don't if i've got a tear it's like very minor because it hasn't bruised but whatever's happened to my calf like it was painful as fuck but i managed to just grind it out um, and that's what i'm most proud of so. yeah you were f fucking strong mate um me i remember uh, like half halfway point for me chris was chris was by me and was like i will um <laughs> we was like, oh, we'll drive behind Phil um, and help him finish. <laughs> like, he's got, he had his truck, so I'd, like one of us sit in the back and like cheer you on, pass your sweets or whatever. But then we was like, actually, no, we better run with him. Like we we we'll carry on running with him, and that was all okay until we finished. <laughs> and then it was like, nah, sorry, I can't carry on running. But um, yeah, that was you. You. you um, you went to some kind of place there, mate, to keep going, like pitch black on your own, very lonely. It was really dark as well, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, really dark. there was no lights really, apart from a small portion where we went past that bus stop. Yeah, and otherwise it was very dark and yeah, wet. And, yeah, you're it's, running through puddles most of the time. Yeah, just completely miserable completely lonely but you managed to do it mate and you should be proud of that like it was a strong effort mm. and i don't think many people would have continued 
not many people want to run a marathon, let alone do it whilst they can't run. <laughs> so, um, yeah. yeah, I guess that was in hindsight, that might be more impressive than a four and a half hour marathon. Yeah. So <laughs> a five marathon, five hour marathon injured or four and a half marathon healthy. Yeah. Which would you take? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, all I know is I said to you, whatever happens with my calf, because I said like two weeks before my calf went, whatever happens, I'm doing it. And I, yeah, I guess I was just... Yeah, I, you said it. You said it as I ran past you. Yeah. I ran past you a couple of laps. And you I probably like, don't remember it. <laughs> you did, yeah. You said, whatever it takes to finish. That's it. That's what you said to me. Um, um, One of the, This is a, something that I've never experienced before. Like, I know I did the 5K tr- challenge. But like I could easily normally just go out and jog like a 23, 24, uh, 5K. And then you look at your your watch and you're like, oh, I've only got 5K left. I can smash this out quite quick. And like 5K at the end of a marathon is like, mm. for me, like 40 minutes. Oh, yeah. 45 minutes. It's just a different, different game. And I've never been there before. So it's hard to know how well you react. Yeah, those... um. Like if you think like, I know for me, it was different for you, obviously your car phone, but the first 10 laps, 10 loops of that loop were like very, well, extremely comfortable. Mm. Um, I'd stop, I'd eat and I'd carry on. Hayley says, oh, you're looking really fresh. I felt really fresh, felt good, mm. happy. But then you come to the last 10 or the last five and I'm like, like this is this is hard now. This is... Why is this this feel so different? And I was trying to think back. Ah, like, oh, the first three felt easy. I've only got three left, but yeah. and I knew I had to work on the last three. But it's like so hard. It was, yeah, it's a different. They're yeah, totally different when you get to that stage of effort. How or that stage of a, an event? Um, how what 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 would feel really good when you're fresh feels. Or something relatively comfortable that you know you could just go and do mm. after doing so much and having so much fatigue up to it is yeah effort level times ten. <sighs> no, yeah. So in preparation, would you if you did this challenge again, <clears throat> would you do anything differently? And you can also assume that. Uh, we know we weren't in COVID. COVID didn't affect your uh, training. You still yeah. had access to gyms, all sorts of things. Um, we are. Di- I would definitely increase the time, the length. Like we only had eleven weeks really of training, right? Mm. Granted, I had been doing a lot of endurance prior to this, um, but. I think if I had had longer, a longer time period, I would have been able to maybe increase the length of the runs. Um, and I don't, initially I may have ran and done like back-to-back runs. So like on the weekend, I'd have ran Saturday and ran Sunday mm. just to add up, just to boost the volume. And then as we got closer, I would have reduced the amount of days I was running, but the runs would have been longer because I only went, I went up to 30 K and that was hard. 
I remember in training that was hard. I finished it and I thought oh, I finished it before I got home. I was like, oh, I could take a little, little jog cool down till I get to home. But as soon as I stopped, I could barely move. Mm. <laughs> it's like everything just come uh, like, yeah, just flooded into me and I just couldn't, it became really difficult to even attempt to jog. So I just yeah, had to yeah. walk home. But so I think just having some runs, maybe middle of the, preparation that were I don't know up to 35 maybe even 38k potentially Mm. Um, and then as a single event you know so I'm used to going that long Um, might have been would have been something I'd have probably changed Um, is that to get a better marathon time you think you needed that for a marathon time because i guess originally the the aim was to get under four hours and you achieved that yeah. so having more yeah I, feet would i think it, well hopefully it would have improved my marathon time but just mm. it would have just made it a little bit more comfortable mm. um not that i'm afraid of any discomfort but it would have just come easier mm. the time would have would have come easier um and in regards to the lifting, um, I would have, because it was such a short time frame, I almost had to get specific very quickly, um, being it a snatch, very technical movement. So um, potentially having more access to a gym, especially for from for a whole month of it, I didn't. Um, uh, so I was snatching out on a driveway, and that's all I had access to was a barbell. Mm. But... But having a bit more of um, variability in it because in my training, so not so specific and just moving my joints through other ranges and positions to just help with the health because I did get a bit of a shoulder niggle, um, as I mentioned to you before. Mm. Um, about It started about three weeks ago um, and it was okay. I could lift, but it was dis- it was uncomfortable, and it was just something in my mind I didn't need to have when thinking about lifting um, a max a max lift. Luckily, on the day it was fine. I didn't even it was and there was nothing there. Um, but I think um, having that time there probably could have helped with with the strength. Like I did no specific squatting really, only for the first four weeks. Um, or anything like like that. It just got very specific, very quick, and I was just snatching, mm. um, snatching overhead squatting, just just basically doing stuff that was of breaking down the snatch almost. Mm. Right, I was just doing portions of the snatch, whether it was snatch pulls, actual snatching, power snatching, overhead squats. That was it. Whereas I think I could have had well, I could have had a, maybe a better number or it could have just come a little bit easier um, if I had a more, like, added other strength movements in there. Like at the start, I, I was training three times. I was lifting three times a week. One of those was was still power-based stuff, but it was just different. Like I was power cleaning. I did do some front squatting and then some other strength movements mainly to aid running not to aid mm. the the lift itself so just having a bit of time on that um 
I think I would have definitely liked to have had. Um, but as soon as we went into that second lockdown where gyms closed, it was I was training once a week, weather dependent on the lifts. And then I was just like going to the local basketball court and doing some jumping. Mm. So your your let's put it into perspective. You managed to PB your snatch, not only with while training for a marathon with minimal snatch training because of COVID. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it did make it extremely difficult. Mm. Um, but that's a, that's huge. Yeah. In 11 I, weeks. So you had a, not much time to do it. You had a global pandemic affecting your training. <laughs> and yeah. you still man- and you're training for a marathon at the same time and still managed to PB your snatch. Yeah, I think when I, well, obviously when we went into the lockdown, I think when I did train, I just went in it with maximum intent mm. to get what, to get exactly what I needed out of the session. And that was it. No more. Um, no, no less. I didn't know where it was going to go. So I had to almost like prepare for lockdown extension or um, gyms to remain closed or, you know, and so when it was almost like flapping a little bit, like in in eight weeks' time, six weeks' time, I'm going to be testing this snatch. And I want to hit a 120. So, right, let's we've got a snatch and we've got to get get these numbers. Like I've got to just keep adding some load as we go along, mm. not to to test like not to up to a max, but almost like RPE nine, eight and a half, nine, like almost there very even like up to 9.5 like just um yeah and do the best i could there um, and then the world we come out of lockdown i went into the gym and i ended up pb in it <laughs> and hitting hit well equally my pb after that lockdown and then like passing it so um the minimal dose yeah, that was that was exactly what what my, my what my thinking was um, during it was. I don't know when I can get another session in because it could be raining. Um, so when I got the chance to lift, I would make sure that almost you yeah, have the mindset of like this has to be done, and I have to get get maximum out of it mm. but with doing the bare minimum so because i had the what this could be my only day lifting i wouldn't be like oh i've got to spend two hours three hours like lifting like it's no we get in we get get what's needed and then yeah we did that's it um yeah diff- it was difficult with the lockdown i'm not that was um that made it a lot challenging mm. um in my mind, I think like 16 weeks may have been a bit, may have been like like a like a four month period. Um, would have been good, three or four months would have been good for this. Mm. But no, I um, I enjoyed it all. It was a good challenge, and with all the e- extra things chucked in there, um, obviously. 
being self-employed as well, I had other stresses going on in personal life and business life, like with the lockdowns and stuff. So it's kind of like having to put that aside. And this is one thing I did really notice affected my running. Um, I remember if I was really worked up about work or, or anything else stressing me out or causing some stress, my run would be really difficult. Mm. Whereas the days I would go out when I'm not really thinking of anything, it would feel easy. And I was like, oh, I could have mm. just carried, should have just carried on for a little bit further. Yeah. Um, That's actually something we should mention that happened on the day of the marathon. So <laughs> it got announced that Portsmouth and Haven area was going into a tier four lockdown as we were running the marathon. Yeah. Luckily, when did you get the news? I didn't. Haley didn't tell me until I finished. Yeah. Which is good because I think it would have, um, that would have, um, yeah, mentally mm. had an effect. And then that would have led to a potentially slowing me down or, um, it, I know it would have had an effect because that's all I would be thinking about on the run. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, what am I going to do now? It works now. I've, I've got all the things in place because of other the previous lockdowns, but it, I don't care what anyone says. Like, you can have it all in place. You're still going to think about it. Mm. You're still going to have some kind of worry there. or um, So that's, that's only a natural, natural thing. And I'm, I'll openly admit that that, that would have happened and it did happen after it and I found I really I had a really poor sleep the night Mm. after the day Um, I don't know I'm not saying it was because of that I think it was just the accumulation of stress throughout the whole day stress in different forms yeah Um, although I come back I I don't drink really I had a couple of glasses of wine and a big pizza and I don't like obviously that may have caused some stress as well, like eating a massive meal and alcohol and <laughs> your resting heart rate. I think my resting heart rate was 90 that night. Yeah. Yeah. I, it felt like I was um, almost like short of breath, like having to breathe a little bit faster. Like it was just, I just couldn't relax. Um, and yeah, I didn't have a great sleep on mm. the Saturday night, but yeah, I'm putting it down to that. But it was the same when I ran my ultra back in September. Um, after that, that night, I didn't sleep too great either. Mm. Um, I think it's just the, the the body is super stressed. When when people would have the other view, oh, you've done all that exercise, you must be knackered. You could sleep like a baby. It, it doesn't work like that. Um, no, not, not in the slightest. Not, you can't get your heart rate down. Not with the amount that we done. Same like if you've been on the piss all night, like your heart rate is yeah, heightened. It's hard to have a good, comfortable sleep. Nah. Um, yeah, but it was no. horrible getting that news, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. I got it during the run because my run took forever. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if, for me, I mean, from like a work-wise, it's not a huge worry because I've nah. done a lot of work from home, but... Um, I was going to see my family on the 20th the next day. I'm going to see yeah. my parents. They were going to drive down to Hailing Island and we were going to walk on the beach and go for fish and chips outside because I could only meet them outside. Um, and then that happens. So it means I can't see my family this Christmas. So 
Yeah, that's another it thing. Is, right? but... It's not like I think that was playing on like Christmas is is now. Well, it's just not going to be. Not it's much. Weird, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I live on my own, so <laughs> luckily it's like I can go and see. Like I can have a bit of like a support bubble. Mm. I can see my family, but yeah, it's, uh, it's still not, it's not great, is it? Um, no. What would you change, mate? Um, okay. So first of all, I think, okay, let's, let's talk about the strength side of things. I think the actual programming of the strength exercises didn't need to change. Like it was super simple. It followed very basic principles and it was just a logical progression. Uh, and that's not to say like that is the best way of doing things. You know, I did two weeks of five sets of eight, two weeks of five sets of five, two weeks of five sets of three, two weeks of five sets of two, two weeks of five sets of one. It was just very simple. And, and that's not to say like that's the best way at all. It was just a simple logical progression that I was able to ke- keep to. So if you did something similar, but you could still following the same principles, you should be fine. Um, the areas I think I would change all come down to improving the skills of certain movements and a lot, even though I was doing certain things to try and improve these skills while doing this at the same time as battering my body, trying to improve at a marathon, for example, I wasn't able to transfer those skills to the marathon. I needed to have a bit of time where I would work on the skills, do a little bit of running so I can try and use that uh, running to try and gain uh, sort of efficiency from the other S&C work that I'm doing and then go into sort of long running. Because if I do that S&C work and then do really long runs, it would just start to negate what I was doing. Mm. um so yeah i needed like an off-season period um so ultimately i know we talked about was it long enough do we need a bit more time uh i i would reframe it for me as in to get a four-hour marathon i needed way more time like it than 11 weeks like it just wasn't possible for me uh and we kind of just went for it because you're like well cool let's let's go for this put a bit of time to it and let's just go for it see how we do um, but that was, I wasn't gauging on it, gauging that on any particular performance. So it was kind of, I just chose a four hour marathon because, uh, you know, you said you were going to do it. I was like, screw it. Let me, I'll train for it as well. But I, you know, it was, it was too much of a, a goal for my current running ability, especially as I, I didn't know how I was going to react as I was going into those higher, you know, especially anything above 30 K. Yeah. Um, so the areas that I think I need work on is one is my thoracic positioning. Um, you know, I'm not saying I need to just lie on a foam roller uh, all the time to try and improve my thoracic extension. I think there's, there's several things that need to be working on. Uh, so either thoracic extension slash uh, also strength and isometric strength, holding a decent thoracic position. Yeah. Um, and also the ability of my rib cage to move properly. I really don't think it does. I think years of being an asthmatic slash shoulder breather has led to really poor movement of my rib cage. Yeah. And I think that transfers to one, a poor thoracic position, 
but also a poor overhead position as well. Like if you think about it, you've got the scapulothoracic joint where the scapula sort of goes, follows the rib cage round as it moves, you know, as it goes through the upward rotation. Like if you're, everyone thinks about, oh, you need some proper scapular movements. But if your rib cage doesn't move that well either, the scapula isn't going to move as well as it should. Um, and I did some work with a, a chiropractor early on in the 10 weeks. And I found that the intercostal joint where the, the rib goes into the thoracic of my second rib, like it doesn't move at all. And that would explain why I have such horrible knots in that area because that area doesn't move. So if my second rib isn't moving properly, you know, how is that going to really influence the, the, the scapula? I know if you're like more of a shoulder breather, your pec major, your pec minor uh, play more of a role in trying to expand the rib cage out front to try and make room for the lungs to inflate. Mm. But, you know, they're bigger muscles that, you know, we want the intercostal muscles to do those sort of roles, not those. So inefficient breathing, I think, has played a role into my shitty thoracic position. So I think working on those particular areas will help my overhead position and will help my sort of front rack position as well. So that's going to be better for the front squat and the overhead press. The other area which I think struggled to see any transfer, even though I was doing some work on this, is my I like to say it's my left side. And this is the the side that my calf went. So I think I've got a foot that doesn't move properly and a hip that doesn't really move that well either. Um, so I've got quite high arches anyway. So that can make it sometimes a bit more difficult for pronation to happen at the foot, especially if the midfoot is really stiff. Um, so I've been trying to improve that with wedges, barefoot work to try and get that pronation because I need that pronation to then create the necessary internal rotation occurring at the shin bone, at the thigh bone to try and get better movement of the, uh, the hip joint and the musculature there to provide the support forces during gait. And because that doesn't work as well as it should, I feel like I, I kind of run on the outside of my foot. Mm. That's super great. Yeah. And then it's really bad, especially as you, if you don't pronate and then go through stance, you stay sort of on the outside of your foot. It's going to be even worse when you're out back, you know, you're trying to push off. So, my hip flexor, more importantly, my psoas is like really aggy all the time. And I think it's trying to stop my hip going into extension because it doesn't like it because my foot's in a shitty position. So that's probably why my calf went because I've been working it through a position that it's trying to, the calf's working harder than it should because it's trying to create some like push off forces, not only in running, but in normal gait, but everything else is trying to stop it get into that position. So it just came to a point where the, the calf had had enough and, and went. So I, I do associate my calf injury down to some poor running mechanics. And you can kind of get away with it, maybe, if you're just doing the odd 5K. If you're doing huge volumes, you know, it doesn't, you know, there's a limited capacity to how much it can tolerate. So yeah, my calf went. So what I want to work on is one proper sort of foot mechanics allowing sort of the flattening out of the foot the the utilize the arches better encourage pronation of my foot and especially during both 
during the landing phase of gait, but also the push-off phase of gait. Because if I can get that, I think my hip will move much better. Um, I'm, you know, I need to improve both hip adduction and internal rotation. Because I am not very good at that, I'm trying to avoid those movements. So my it's almost like my legs trying to be outside of my base of support to allow it to go into extension. And that's a really inefficient way of doing things. So if I can work on that, and I think if I'm going to do any running challenges in the future, I need to spend some time working on those motions before I then go back to high volumes of running. So those are the changes I would, I mean, you could say, oh, what changes would you make? And I did what was necessary to try and hit our goals in that period of time. But in the grand scheme of things, it probably wasn't the best for my lower, wasn't probably the best for my left leg. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you set the challenge and you do what's necessary for it. Um, yeah. I mean, I could say, like, oh, I'd done it. <laughs> We'd we done it. We did yeah. do it. We, we, we proved what we needed to do. And I hit all the targets that we set, like including the marathon. Like I could say I didn't need to change anything. I think for me, it would be more just having, just making it more comfortable in getting there. Um, whether that's having access, having the access to gyms, um, having a little bit more time to build up some mileage and a bit more resilience in my running as I've got to longer distances um, and then just making sure that I am healthier mm. it comes to peak week shall we say um, mm. but it's funny that you say that about your feet like it's do you think like just being in the weight room like doing that kind of stuff constantly could like could have led to it like you're weightlifting before like everything's external rotation like you want to be powerful like that that would be supination right so hmm. oh uh, certainly years of i think it's a combination yeah. of some genetics uh all my family walk like mary poppins feet yeah. pointing outwards look at my brother look at my dad really really bad and i don't know if there's some kind of hip morphology there um, that means we kind of need to be, and it's kind of a, I believe a, I always get wrong way round, retroverted or introverted um, position. So, you know, you're more comfortable with your feet pointing outwards. Mm. Um, with certain hip mobility exercises, I, like I just physically can't do them. There's, it isn't just like, oh, I'm, I'm tight, so I can't do it. I physically can't do them. So I reckon I've got really deep acetabulums so yeah. I have a limited range of motion. So it might gear me towards certain movements. Um, but uh, one of the main things is the key thing that you've just highlighted. Like I spent years in that position, squatting, squatting, squatting. Yeah, and I'm so strong there. So that means when I go to run, my body will try and use those strength affordances to do another task, which over time is probably not best. Yeah. So, yeah, and it's yeah, and it's like it, everything is external rotation, and it, it, every, mm. like the cues that float around, um, you know, just potentially could 
could be causing problems for people's walking and running mm. if that's all there. Um, and one of the things that's quite popular on social media is highlighting the importance of movement variability. Mm. We've been yeah. so geared towards, okay, put yourself in a strong position because it's all about developing force and stability where really like you need that ability to be a bit more unstable, to be a, to expose the body to high variation of movement qualities that yeah to improve its intolerance improve its tolerance to different stresses and if you're yeah. so focused on particular exercises and getting really strong with them the body will just use the strength that it's gained from those exercises to do other more variable exercises or movements yeah um and that's yeah, when you get stuck in positions and it causes you not to be, uh, I don't know, you, well, you could call it healthy. You're not, you're going to have some kind of niggle or something to happen when you try to transfer it over to other things. Mm. But it's ba- in a nutshell, you, we want to be, we want to teach ourselves to go into as many different positions as possible when required to perform that certain action, action right? Um, well, you've got a toolbox, haven't you? It's like a toolbox yeah. of physical affordances. If your toolbox is limited, then, uh, you know, if it, if it then, if some movement then requires you to do something which you don't have the tool for, what happens? Like you break down. Yeah. Or you use the, t- the tools that aren't really appropriate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sounds like me and my breathing. <laughs> well, yeah. And breathing, oh, that's that's another that's, that's another massive, very popular yeah. thing on social media at the moment. Yeah, but it's it's um it's a big thing I think that is missed um, when it comes to like where well, you've highlighted it yourself there, like your your movement, your rib cage, and then that's causing your your shoulder, your scapulas not to be moving right, your overhead mm. mobility not to be as good as it could be. Um, yeah. I think there's, I mean, definitely my overhead position and my scapula, there's probably one or two other things that are contributing to that. Yeah. I have a bit of thoracic outlet syndrome on that side as well, but the movement of the rib cage is really quite important. And, you know, even with thoracic outlet syndrome, I should be able to then still practice and get my thoracic in a decent position. Um, so yeah, something to work on. Yeah, that's it. Um, I don't really know if I could say that I needed to, after this challenge, like there's something I need to work on. I think I could be faster, I could be stronger, but um, when it comes to specifics of those challenges, like I don't, I, I don't know if there's any particular part of it that I could need to, that I need to work on, you know, that I, I could pinpoint, obviously, other than maybe, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't really, because I, I've done it. Yeah. You're, you're, I think your body is much more robust, resilient than mine. <laughs> and I, I, I attribute that for years of better training. Like, you know, if you looked at me training between the ages of what, 16 and 24, like you'd probably just laugh. Like I was, reading a lot but the information wasn't really out there um yeah and um yeah 
I think crap training has led me to have the physical body that I've got now. It definitely led towards, I think, led towards my um, first knee injury. Yeah. Certainly. It's, yeah, it's accumulation of stress over time. And if it's poorly applied, like I said, something has to forgive in the end. Yeah, that's it, mate. But those who can't teach, eh? But I tell you, I had I had really good fun. Um, yeah, it was wicked. Chris loved it as well. He really enjoyed it. Yeah, he was a good lad. His, his energy was needed. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I loved it, mate. It was a great, great day. Mm. Well, on to 2021. I yeah. Guess we've already got, we haven't fully decided how the progress theory is going to go, but, we, you know, you've got Athens coming up. So we're definitely yeah. covering that on the round table. We're definitely, oh, and you've got the Iron Man in yeah. Dublin, which we've got to cover that as well. Yeah. You've got some big things in 2021, which we've got to know how you're preparing for, certainly. Yeah, man, definitely. Um, I'm, I'm willing to share everything. Yeah. I need to think about a challenge for me. <laughs> well, you've got your, you've got that big expedition race, haven't you? Is yeah. it an adventure race? You've got an adventure race in August. Yeah. Certainly. You've got Progress Theory team heading there. Yeah, so that'll be good. That will be that'll be interesting. Yes, it's very long, and most of it will be trekking, but also kayaking for just huge amounts of time. And it's that's why I was happy with how I performed in the marathon because a lot of that is just about grueling it for five days straight with minimal sleep. So if I can get through five hours of pain in my calf, that may have provided some kind of mental training. Yeah, it's almost like a little bit almost like a little bit of experience of being there and knowing that you can do it. Yeah, being in hell. Yeah. And being cold. Because that's yeah. going to be cold. Definitely but, definitely remember that experience and that feeling. Mm. And mate. Season th- season two done. Bring on season three. Yeah, man. <laughs> Looking forward to it, mate. Well, right, right, catch you up in a bit. Yeah, take care, mate. Take care, mate.